Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Hey, Sean Hannity here, and there's so much happening around our country, crimes happening in your own backyard. Listen to the story of Bob Brayton. Now, Bob was at home when an intruder physically forced his way inside. Now, luckily, Bob was able to grab his burner, and he used it to backpedal the man right outside and off of his property. Now, it's legal in all 50 states. No background checks required. They ship it right to your door. Go to burner, B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Hannity. And if you do that now, you get an exclusive 10% discount. Breaking news now. Here's Sean Hannity. All right, we got uh, all sorts of news all over the place. Glad you're with us. Any press conferences that occur as it relates to uh, Michael Cohn's plea with the federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, he has pled guilty to eight specific uh, issues. Uh, The same with Paul Manafort. He's been found guilty in his trial of eight of the 18 charges against him. In the Manafort case, five specific tax fraud charges, five specific tax years, false reports, guilty on one charge of hiding a foreign bank account and guilty on two counts of bank fraud. I assume that's all related uh, to applications for loans. I believe that he didn't even receive Uh, in the case of Manafort. We'll stay there for a second. Uh, we do know that Judge Ellis will decide what his sentence happens to be. We do know in the in the case of of Michael Cohn that he is facing a particularly long period of time in jail, anywhere between three and five years. Joining us now is former prosecutor himself, is Joe DeGeneva, David Schoen, and Greg Jarrett stay with us as well. Joe will bring you into all of this, 8 of 18, and Michael Cohn, pleads guilty and makes a deal with the prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. Your reaction? Well, I think uh, if you're Bob Mueller, you're pleased with a verdict which has eight guilty verdicts in it. Um, That's why they charge so many to give the the jury choices. And uh, while some people may think this is bad news for Mueller, et cetera, et cetera, it isn't. He got a conviction. He got a conviction in something totally unrelated to collusion. So in that sense, it is a defeat. But uh, this is this is pretty ugly stuff. I feel very sorry for Manafort. I think the way he's been treated has been horrific. And uh, 
Uh, I, I, I just think that uh, this is an ugly place to be, but um, it is a win for Mueller, as much as I hate to say it, uh, but um, um, it's, it's not perfect. And, of course, most importantly, it has nothing to do with collusion. One of, let me go to the one thing that I know everybody in the media seems to be focused on, that in counts seven and eight in the Michael Cohn case, he says he violated campaign uh, laws at the direction of the candidate. Now, for example, in count eight, as it relates to Stormy Daniels, count seven, as it relates to Karen McDougal, uh, I know he's on record. There's a number of places where he has said it, a number of people he said it to. Vanity Fair is but one source. Cohn said that Trump did not know that he paid off Stormy Daniels. Uh, and for his own reasons, he said the ma- payment was made with no expectation of getting reimbursed. Uh, now, on the issue when the media is saying well, this implicates the president, how credible if somebody said one thing before and is saying one thing now in a plea deal, how credible is the conflicting uh, statements in that case? Well, obviously, when you know, are you lying now? Or, or you, were you lying then? And the issue is payments made with the knowledge of the candidate are not necessarily uh, illegal per se. So it's going to require some additional proof and, and evidence about what this all means. And uh, th- those charges are usually handled civilly, but in this case, they have not been. And so uh, this, this needs to be fleshed out. Yeah. What's your take on that specific issue, David Cohn? Uh, absolutely, it's going to be you know the sexy issue. The media plays up. Um, by the way, that's why this deal was billed as a no cooperation deal. This is Cohen's payment to them. I put, this is why I said before you have to follow the plea colloquy by putting the president into this or trying to. Uh, this is his cooperation. That's what they wanted. Here's the great irony: the only campaign-related charge so far to date is brought by the Southern District of New York. Well, like it was, fa- it was fa- in fairness, though, this was Mueller feeding it to them. That's right. That's right. But that's the problem. There was absolutely no, it highlights again, no need for Mueller for the appointment of a special counsel, the abuse of that appointment, and the waste of it. But look, this is going to be the issue that plays out. By the way, I thought that was the easiest charge to defend. The idea, as Judge Jennifer just said, usually handled by the Fair Election Commission, putting that aside, the idea that Mr. Trump paid these people solely uh, or even primarily to uh, to affect the election. Uh, unfortunately, there is a history of you know, illicit affairs and that sort of thing, not just with this president. Well, didn't this all get taken people. to court in the case, uh, in the case of uh, John Edwards? Isn't that similar? Of course. It happens day after day with elected officials and other people, and the payment to those people to stop further embarrassment is, a, 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 is how business is done, frankly, among many lawyers in that business. And, and to this great satisfaction, by the way, of the so-called victim. Now here, Michael Cohen tie, tries to tie it to the campaign. You're right. He's on record saying otherwise. And let me ask about that on record saying otherwise. Even his attorney, David Schwartz, was on uh, fake news CNN March 28th and said that the president did not know about the hush agreement Cohen pushed with Stormy Daniels uh, and the agreement that he made in October 2016. Quote, the president was not aware of the agreement. What is your reaction to that? Is Greg Jarrett, are you there? Yeah. Um, well, I, this will be a question of fact. Uh, the president's position has been quite clear. He didn't know about it. Um, and he relied on his personal attorney to handle all matters uh, regarding nondisclosure agreements, which are as common as the grass is green. And uh, whether or not that's a campaign vi- 
violation uh, will be a question of fact. And, you know, Cohen has uh, a diminished credibility now because of his uh, guilty plea to crimes. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't trust uh, Michael Cohen uh, over the president at any point in time. Well, let me ask big picture. So in this case, it's Michael Cohen. It's it's mostly tax uh, on bank issues. Uh, Joe DeGeneva, in the case of Michael Flynn, it's lying to the FBI. In case of Papadopoulos, it's lying to the FBI. In the case of Manafort, if we look at the specific verdicts, again, 10 cases where the, we had a hung jury that couldn't decide, but five specific tax years where he filed false income tax reports, one charge of hiding a foreign bank account, two guilty counts of bank fraud. You know what I'm not hearing here? Anything about Russia? Anything about collusion? Anything about the campaign or Donald Trump, really, except that there's a conflicting statements as it relates to whether he knew about what Michael Cohn did or didn't know. And Michael Cohn has said both things on that particular issue. I don't think there's any doubt that this has nothing to do with the original reason this entire investigation was set up, which is Russian collusion. So that's that's obviously clear. As far as the the uh, accounts with regard to the campaign contributions, that's a question that's going to have to be resolved by the prosecutors uh, about whether or not they believe. All right, guys, hang in there. I'm sorry. We're going to keep you guys for the rest of the hour. We have Paul Manafort, his attorney. And hard fought deliberations. He is evaluating all of his options at this point. Thank you, everyone. That was a statement from Manafort's attorney. Sorry, that was I didn't even get to hear most of it. But uh, what's your reaction to let's go back to the big picture here. No Russia, no collusion, no Trump, no campaign. And I know everybody thinks, well, all right, these are all people. Would any of these people be in any trouble at all if if they didn't bring up an, a special counsel to investigate so-called Russian collusion, Joe DeGeneva. So the, the answer to that is no. Uh, in fact, in the case of Manafort, the original tax case against him was declined by the tax division of the Justice Department. They said there wasn't enough evidence. It just goes to show that when you throw resources at something where the prosecutor has only one case and one thing to do, that they can, they can find anything on anybody at any time. That is the misery for Mr. Manafort to know that he had originally been told by the Justice Department a couple of years ago that there was nothing to this. And then Mueller decided to resurrect it, investigate it to death with millions of dollars, and he found something. Let me ask something, and this goes to the heart of Greg's book. I mean, Hillary Clinton, I don't think there's a a greater, more obvious case of obstruction with her subpoenaed Mm -hmm. emails deleted and acid washed and bleach pit and devices busted up and SIM cards removed. Uh, they wrote an exoneration before investigation. We do have a we do have a lot of corruption. All right. Hang on. I hate to do this to you, but we now have I guess this is outside of New York. Are these the prosecutors of the defense, you know, let's listen in. Let's move over to that press conference now. Our New York. courthouse split screen day the attorney for the United States in this matter. This is the Southern With District of New York prosecutor Bill Sweeney, assistant director in charge of the New York field office of the FBI and James Robnett who is the supervisory agent in charge of the New York office of the IRS. Also with me are the prosecutors from the United States Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York who prosecuted the Cohen matter. I'm going to have a brief statement and will not be taking any questions. Today, as you heard, Michael Cohen pled guilty to eight felony charges. Five of those 
dealt with tax evasion for the years 2012 through 2016, in which he failed to report approximately $4.1 million in reported income. Approximately 2.5 of that money was from interest payments from a personal loan that he failed to report. Approximately $1.3 million of that money was from the operation of his taxi medallion business. Approximately $100,000 of that money was from uh, brokerage commissions. And over $200,000 was from consulting fees. That's over $4.3 million over a five-year period, which translates into a loss to the United States Treasury of approximately uh, $1.3 million. In addition, in count six, Mr. Cohen pled guilty to making false statements to a financial institution in connection with an application for a home equity line of credit. In that application, he failed to disclose more than $14 million in debt that he had, and as a result of that concealment, he obtained that $500,000 line of credit, which he would not have been entitled to had he been candid and honest. In addition, Mr. Cohen pled guilty to two campaign finance charges, one for causing an unlawful corporate contribution and a second one for personally making an excessive personal contribution, both for the purpose of influencing the 2016 election. In addition, what he did was he worked to pay money to silence two women who had information that he believed would be detrimental to the 2016 campaign and to the candidate and the campaign. In addition, Mr. Cohen uh, sought reimbursement uh, for that money by submitting info invoices to the candidate's company, which were untrue and false. They indicated that the reimbursement was for services rendered for the year 2017, when in fact those invoices were a sham. He provided no legal services for the year 2017, and it was simply a means to obtain reimbursement for the unlawful campaign contribution. A couple of points I'd like to make. First, these are very serious charges and reflect a pattern of lies and dishonesty over an extended period of time. They are significant in their own rights. They are particularly significant when done by a lawyer. A lawyer who, through training and tradition, understands... This is a prosecutor in the Southern District of New York talking about the Michael Cohn case. We're, gonna, uh, we're not going to our first break. We're going to continue to hold this, and then we'll continue with Joe DeGeneva, uh, Joe DeGeneva, Greg Jarrett, and David Schoen. Straight ahead. ...understands what it means to be a lawyer, to engage in honest and fair dealing and adherence to the law. Mr. Cohen disregarded that training, disregarded that tradition and decided that he was above the law, and for that he was going to pay a very, very serious price. With respect to the campaign finance violations, the campaign finance laws are designed to prevent the use of illegal money in elections and to maintain the integrity of those elections. Mr. Cohen made guilty pleas um, for those campaign violations, and those are core violations. And what he did was, uh, he, he, these pleas remind us that it is illegal for corporations to make contributions um, to candidates, uh, and it is illegal to make contributions in excess of the amount that Congress set for individuals. 
That is a strong message today, and we will not be, uh, uh, we will not fear uh, of prosecuting additional cor corporation fin uh, campaign finance cases. Lastly, and perhaps most importantly, this case uh, is unique uh, in many ways. Just witness uh, the gathering of all of you here today. And in other ways, it's unique as well. But in the really important ways, this case is not unlike many cases that my office, the United States Attorney's Office brings, that the entire Department of Justice brings, and that the law enforcement agencies do as well, including the FBI and the IRS. This case has more in common with all those cases because they all share the same message. And that message is that the rule of law applies and that for uh, law enforcement, all of whom are gathered here, uh, it, is, it is our commitment that we will pursue and vindicate uh, those who, uh, who choose to break the law and vindicate the majority of people um, who live law-abiding lives, um, who follow honest and fair dealing, and live lives of lawful behavior. Um, the message is that we are here, prosecutors are here, law enforcement is here, the Department of Justice is here, the law enforcement agencies here. We are a nation of laws, and the essence of this case is about is justice, and that is an equal playing field for all uh, persons in the eyes of the law. And that is a lesson that uh, Mr. Cohen uh, learned today, and it is a very harsh one for him. Thank you very much. Who is the candidate you're talking about? I'm sorry. One other thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'd also like to introduce, sorry, my, uh, my fault. I really want to thank uh, uh, Mr. Sweeney uh, and uh, James Robnett of the FBI and the IRS uh, and the agents who work for them. Uh, we do many, many cases with them and their determination and their fair dealing and their vigor with which they pursue their cases is really inspirational. Uh, to the prosecutors in my office, uh, I cannot express the gratitude for the hard work uh, that they did in this case. And that is Assistant United States Attorneys Andrea Griswold and Nick Roos and Rachel Maiman and Tom McKay, as well as Ed Discant, the Deputy Chief of the Public Corruption Unit, uh, and Russell Capone, the Chief of the Public Corruption Unit. For all of these people, I could go on and on uh, about their many virtues and talents. But the one important thing is they all are satisfied with simply being known as public servants, prosecutors, and law enforcement agents who are doing their job. Thank you very much. All right, let's get reaction now. That was the prosecutor in the Michael Cohn case. Uh, Joe DeGeneva, we'll start with you. Your reaction. Well, uh, this creates a number of rather complicated problems for the president and other people around him. Uh, they are claiming that Michael Cohen told them that these payments, which they say were illegal camp, corporate campaign contributions, were made with the knowledge of the payment of the, of the candidate. Now, we're going to assume that candidate has got to be Donald Trump. Now, he can have knowledge that the payments were being made, but he doesn't necessarily know that they were illegal campaign corporate payments. So it leaves a lot to the imagination. But clearly, this has opened a very serious door. Uh, and if, if I read correctly what they are let me, saying, let me Michael read from Cohen, Va let me read from Vanity Fair. Michael yeah. Cohn says Trump did not know that he paid off Daniels. And for his own reason, Cohn says he made the payment with no expectation of ever getting reimbursed. I mean, and there are numerous cases where he's told that to people. What does that mean? Exactly. 
So they're going to have to they're going to have to deal with the questions of Mr. Cohen's credibility on all of these things directly related to any of these payments. So obviously, uh, this matter has uh, has has very many edges to it. Let me get uh, Greg Jarrett's take on that. Well, under the Federal Campaign Election Act, it's very unique. It requires what most statutes don't require, and that's knowledge that you're violating the Federal Campaign Election Act. And Trump's position is uh, that uh, Cohen acted all on his own, that there was some general well, At one point, it was, it was Michael Cohen's position. Yes, I'm, that's what I meant. It's yeah. Michael Cohen's position that, uh, that he acted all on his own also the president's position that he acted all on his own. So you can't impute knowledge to somebody who's not a party to it. Uh, so that would be principally the president's uh, defense of any accusation that he was involved in directing and coordinating this. Let me get David Schoen's take on it. Sure, the Geneva accurately said a lot of this is going to come down to credibility. I think the prosecutor gave you a head start today. Prosecutor's words, lead prosecutor's words. Michael Cohen has a pattern of lies and dishonesty over a significant period of time. That's the government's position when any trial would be vouching for Michael Cohen. Um, Greg is right about the intent required. And again, you know, I said this from the start. The irony is uh, with many business people, and there's a history of paying for silence for, to avoid embarrassment. Um, that in itself is a reason, a legitimate business reason. Well, that's the whole case of John Edwards, as I understood it. That's right. It has nothing to do with campaign finance. And the idea here, you know, Cohen submitted what he says are false invoices to the Trump organization. Do you think the Trump organization gets one or two invoices a year? Or do you think there are a lot? Do you think the president okays every one of them? Uh, do you think the president thought that his election would turn on whether the public believed he was faithful at all times uh, in his marriage or had an affair with Stormy Daniels or Karen McDougal? Hard to believe that that's what the American people would have voted on one way or the other. What about what the what the prosecutor said here about about Michael Cohen having lied over this long period of time, Joe? Well, that, of course, underscores the credibility problem that Michael Cohen is going to have. And it may be that it also uh, may give some pause to the prosecutors themselves about his usefulness to them as a witness. Uh, it is quite clear that they have labeled him a liar. Uh, and they didn't hesitate to do so. Indeed, uh, they were quite, quite blunt about it. So in terms of him being a witness in anything, uh, again, it remains to be seen. You know, as we, if we go through all of this, though, I keep going back to one fundamental thing. Uh, this was supposed to be about Trump-Russia collusion. Now we're dealing in each case with either lying to the FBI, Flynn Papadopoulos, or Cohen and Manafort. And again, 10, 10 of the 18 charges they couldn't decide on. And uh, we had a hung jury on 10 of them. But it all comes down to bank bank fraud, some type of tax issue fraud. Uh, and in the case of two of the counts with Cohen, uh, payments that he made. And again, in interviews, he had said that he made a, on his own devices without telling the president. Uh, and then false reimbursement that he made to the, to the, I guess the campaign or to the Trump organization. So to me, I'm, I keep going back to fundamentally, how did we get from one thing to this? And would any of this have happened? Greg, this is a, your last shot, but we're going to let you go. We're going to keep Joe and Andy McCarthy joins us. Well, it just shows you the two-tiered system of justice. Uh, Hillary Clinton engages in rampant acts of uh, corruption 
and illegality uh, and gets a free pass. Uh, but if you're Donald Trump, uh, people like uh, Bob Mueller and his team of partisans will go after you with a vengeance, and they will use the unlimited uh, power and resources of the federal government to do it, even though uh, his appointment, as I've pointed out in the book, uh, was illegitimate to begin with. This has always been an investigation in search of a crime. This terrible death of Molly Tibbetts, we're now learning, by the way, uh, a person illegally in the country is suspected and charged with the murder and her sad death. We'll have uh, Joe DeGeneva stay with us and Andy McCarthy. Thank you both, David and Greg. You know, 88% of financially successful people read at least 30 minutes per day. Now, reading is the ultimate secret to success. And lots of world-class successful people credit their success directly to reading. Now, if you're like me, the list of books you want to read or those people suggest you read is never-ending and it's always expanding. Now, the problem is there's no time to read, right? Well, our sponsor, Blinkist, has solved your long list of must-reads once and for all. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of best-selling nonfiction books and breaks them down to their most impactful elements so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. And with Blinkist, you will expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can almost any other way. Plus, you can listen anywhere. I just downloaded the Blinkist app. I love it. I like to listen when I'm in the car or when I have free time. If I'm just cooking dinner or something, it doesn't matter. Now, my personal recommendation, check out Greg Jarrett's new book, The Russian Hoax. Now, there's so much to know about this Russian investigation and Blinkist. They make it simple and easy for you to get these critical elements from the book. Five million people are now using Blinkist to expand their minds 15 minutes at a time, and you can get started today. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Hannity to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, dot com slash Hannity to start your free seven-day trial. You can cancel at any time. Blinkist.com slash Hannity. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. A lot of breaking news today. In the Manafort trial, guilty on eight counts, hung jury on 10 counts, and a plea deal as it relates to Michael Cohn with the Southern District of New York. Of course, you remember that case was recommended by uh, Robert Mueller. In this case, again, it's like in the Manafort case. Manafort is guilty of five tax fraud charges. Five separate tax years, guilty one charge, hiding a foreign bank account, guilty on two counts of bank fraud. In the case of Michael Cohn, uh, similar, you know, statutes, eight specific counts, evading personal income taxes, making an unlawful corporate campaign contribution, false statement to a financial institution, an excessive campaign contribution, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He's facing, you know, anywhere between, I guess, three to five specific years in jail as they've gone through all of that today. We haven't gotten any word on whether or not um, anything else has happened. But anyway, uh, tax evasion, bank fraud, making unlawful corporate contribution, making illegal campaign finance contribution. uh, And he told prosecutors that he made the contribution at the direction of the candidate, which everyone is focused on. And there are numerous cases, and we have pulled up a couple of them, where Michael Cohn has directly been quoted as saying that Donald Trump did not know that he paid off in the case of Count 8 Stormy Daniels 
Uh, and for his own reasons, Cohn said he made a payment with no expectation of getting reimbursed. And uh, anyway, Andy McCarthy knows the law as well as anybody, and he served in the prestigious Southern District of New York. Uh, how many years were you there? I know you worked on the first Trade Center bombing and the Blind Shade case and, you know, an amazing prosecutor. And this is one of the, the toughest uh, districts as it relates to uh, federal prosecution in the country. Yeah, close to 20 years, Sean. Amazing. I think, yeah, the, the thing with uh, the Cone case, uh, just so we can go lawyer on everyone here, is there's a difference between uh, a direction to pay the money and the filing of whatever campaign finance disclosures are available. And as I understand it, in his guilty plea allocution, what Cohen says is he was directed by the candidate to pay the money. That doesn't implicate the crime here is not paying the money. The crime here is not making the required campaign finance disclosure. Now, I'm sure they could argue that it was implicit that there would be no disclosure because that's why you make the payment in the first place. But the important thing is there is a difference between a direction to make a payment and a direction not to file a required campaign disclosure. And I didn't hear anything that in what's been reported or what he said in his allocution that the president directed him to violate the campaign finance laws. Well, that that is a you know, this is why you're so good at what you do. I never would have picked that up myself, to be very blunt. And and this is where the, a lot of nuances in this. The prosecutor, I don't know if you know him, uh, the one that gave the press conference. His name escapes me at the moment. But I mean, it was very eloquent in explaining what this case was about. But he also talked about a pattern of dishonesty that has gone on for years and false reimbursement and so on and so forth and things that he filed and, and statements and when I go to the issue of what Michael Cohen had said previously, is that an issue? Do you see this in any way as an issue for the president? Well, I, I, at the moment, I think the political ramifications of this are worse for the president than the legal ones, because what happened here, if you're regarding someone as a cooperating witness, Sean, what you would usually do is throw the book at him. You wouldn't be talking about three to five years in prison. So what they've done here is they've treated this as a straight-up plea, not a cooperation agreement. They probably don't regard him as a potentially good cooperator because he's made so many statements Mm -hmm. all over the map that he's not the kind of guy you would want to put on the stand. So I think what he has said in court today is politically damaging for the president. There's no question about that. But as far as legally is concerned, I don't think they see this guy as someone they want to build a case on. And I think Mueller has already decided that he doesn't help on collusion with Russia, which is why the Southern District got the case in the first place. Well, let me then ask this. I mean, if we're to look at this in its total, I thought this was all supposed to be about Russia and Trump and campaign and collusion with Russia to influence the campaign. And, you know, I can go through, you know, all the cases where Clinton charities had to refile their tax returns and uh, because of errors or the fact, by the way, the president has arrived in West Virginia. He's going to he's speaking. We'll, we'll run that in a minute. But Al Sharpton didn't add a four point five million dollar tax bill. He didn't pay. And Tim Geithner, remember tax cheat Tim Geithner, he regretted mistakes with taxes. But, OK, I understand the law is the law. And I have said this to everybody I know for years. Pay your taxes. So if I look at Michael Cohn and Paul Manafort, these are the lessons that I get. Don't lie in when making a, a, a an application for a loan. To a bank, don't lie, pay your taxes, and in the case of Flynn and Papadopoulos, don't lie to the FBI. 
And if we're going to add the one other issue we're talking about, count seven and eight with Michael Cohn, don't make contributions uh, that that to a campaign and then try and put it off through false reimbursements to silence a woman, et cetera, et cetera. What the what the prosecutor in the case said, if, if I sum it up, did I sum it up pretty well? Yeah, Sean, the, the only thing I would add to that is the issue I think that we're going to have to look at hard and discuss over the next days and weeks is whether there's been a change in the way they enforce the campaign finance laws. So in 2008, to take this example, uh, the Obama administration commits over $2 million worth of campaign finance violations and is permitted by the Eric Holder-led Obama Justice Department to settle that with a fine to the FEC. I think it was a, a $300,000 fine or so, if I'm, if I'm remembering right. So, in other words, that was a major violation that was not handled as a felony. And now, you know, suddenly it looks like we're, we're changing course and treating this as a felony. I don't want to – I'm not trying to excuse unlawful behavior – but I do think that it, it's important to look into whether the government is handling these matters consistently or not. Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of that goes to one of the arguments I have been making. I mean, you know my arguments as well as anybody, and I believe that you don't make an, write an exoneration before you interview 17 key people in the case of Hillary. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger case, clear-cut case of obstruction than what she did with with subpoenaed emails and her hard drive with bleach bid and busting up devices with hammers and removing SIM cards. And and I do believe what happened to the FISA court on four separate applications was a fraud and lies to a judge. I don't I wouldn't add that to the list. Don't do that stuff either. Uh, I don't think you'd recommend me doing it if you were my attorney. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, and, and she's gotten away with it. And then we've got, you know, the issues involving the Espionage Act. And then we've got all these fired FBI and DOJ people. I mean, 25 people have either been fired, demoted or resigned to top people. I mean, from from Comey to McCabe to Strzok to Page and, and uh, Sally Yates and Bruce Orr and everybody in between. I mean. It seems like we don't have any movement about everyone. I don't see any indictments about lying to FISA court judges. Isn't that bad? No, not at the moment. Now, we understand that there's two different investigations of this going on at the Justice Department. We'll have to see how that turns out. But I think there's a profound case that there has been or have been two different standards of justice, depending on who it is who's violating the laws. I'm not casting aspersions at my old office. I think very highly of the people there. Jeff Berman, who I think is the, the U.S. attorney that you were uh, referring to earlier, is President Trump's appointee there. No, he was, uh, uh, so he was that, recused from this. Oh, okay. Was it Rob Kuzami then? But, but it was somebody. Yes, from, it was uh, Kuzami, yes. Yeah, Rob Kuzami was my partner or one of my partners on the Blind Shake case. He's a seems very uh, smart, very efficient. Yeah. He gave a you know totally professional press conference. Let me play for you, Andy, if I might. This is the president arriving in West Virginia, uh, reacting to both cases. Very sad about that. Uh, it doesn't involve me, but I still feel uh, you know it's a very sad thing that happens. This has nothing to do with Russian collusion. This started as Russian collusion. This has absolutely nothing to do. This is a witch hunt, and it's a disgrace. But this has nothing to do with what they started out, looking for Russians involved in our campaign. There were none. I feel very badly for Paul Manafort. Again, he worked for Bob Dole. He worked for Ronald Reagan. 
He worked for many, many people. And uh, this is the way it ends up. And it was not the original mission, believe me. It was, uh, it was something very much different. So had nothing to do with Russian collusion. We continue the witch hunt. Thank you very much. Right, the president All right, that was the president's full statement. Now, uh, Andy, I want to just ask you, I mean, it is true. This is where, how do you go from Russia collusion and the and the charges are Flynn and Papadopoulos lying to the FBI. You have tax and and bank fraud in the case of both Manafort and Cohn and two campaign finance violations. How do we get there? Yeah, well, Sean, I think that this goes to what uh, we discussed last night with Professor Dershowitz on your show, which is. Um, would these guys have been in the crosshairs of prosecutors had they not been connected to the Trump campaign? It's hard to believe that they would have. Uh, it's a standard practice by prosecutors who think that uh, somebody has the, uh, the evidence that they need to advance an investigation, that you squeeze that person to try to get cooperation. You and I might have a slight disagreement on this, but I, but I understand the process. Go ahead. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is if, if let's say Mueller actually uh, takes his mandate seriously and views it that what he needs to do is get to the bottom and answer all the questions about Russia's interference in the election. Forget about President Trump for a second. Manafort is a guy who has longstanding connections to Kremlin-connected people. It may well be that the reason that the squeeze is being put on Manafort is – Mueller regards him as important in terms of what Russia's intentions are, wouldn't he and have, not necessarily wouldn't not he have, necessarily on the president. Well, that goes to Judge Ellis, who says uh, they're going to put the screws to Manafort, make him sing or compose for the purpose of prosecuting or impeaching Trump. Okay, well, well so far, uh, Manafort, who, by the way, I had talked to him after all this started, and he said to me, I don't have anything to say. Those were well, his exact Sean, words I, I, to me. Sean, I'm going to make the same point that I've made before. Manafort was not in Trump world for a long time. It's not like he's a longstanding confidant of, of the president, right? He worked for him for a certain period, a short period of time during the campaign. And for six months, maybe it's seven months now, Mueller has had access to Rick Gates, who is uh, Manafort's longtime partner. And I have to think anything that uh, Manafort would have known about Russian collusion, Gates would have known. And yet, since Gates... He got to get out of jail free card. Yeah, yeah, but but what has happened to Mueller's investigation since then? He's returned two indictments against Russians that don't have a hint of any complicity by the Trump campaign, and they're quietly forming these cases out. So I think, you know, I I don't really... I think that this is really, at this point, it's all about obstruction. I don't think that, that, uh, that Mueller sees a collusion case here i just don't well an obstruction i mean you know it's just like after papadopoulos and flynn why would anybody ever talk to Mueller or any fbi guy i'm a guy my mom was a prison guard my dad was a family court probation guy and i, yeah. I you know two two members of my extended family made the fbi that was the they were deity you know the rest were new york city cops and they were deity to me but, right. you know, um, and then when, you well, know, you watch a case like this, I have FBI guys saying, don't ever talk to the FBI. I'm like, what do you mean don't talk to them? My inclination yeah, Sean, is, of course, I talk to them. Yeah, but, Sean, people don't people in these positions don't talk to the FBI and the prosecutors because they want to. They they talk to them because they they think it's the least bad alternative they have. 
Well, but I mean, if you're going to get like, for example, if Don McGahn spends 30 hours with Mueller and let's say Trump does go in and talk to him, which would be a bad idea. But if he did, what if he contradicts one, two or three things? And then isn't it the prosecutor that decides, well, we believe McGahn. We don't believe Trump. We hate Trump. Yeah, well, that's it's it's that's additional reason why Trump shouldn't go in there. I must tell you, Sean, in 20 years as a prosecutor, I never got to interview the main subject of any investigations lawyer, let alone interview him for 30 crazy right? hours. So, well, but it goes to show that he doesn't need President Trump in order to finish his work. It's a great point. Let me go back to the case you mentioned. In 2008, uh, Obama's election campaign didn't properly report $2 million in last-minute donations to the juggernaut, and I'm reading from Reuters, that swept him into the White House, but That was the only violation found in the FEC's audit of Obama's $778 million campaign. All right, $2 million. In the case of Cohn, we're talking about, and by the way, they paid a fine. It was a record at the time, some 300 and uh, what did I have here? I had it in front of me, 300 and some odd thousand dollars, $375,000, the biggest fine at the time, one of the top five. Um, In the case of Cohn, isn't that just uh, like, what, less than 300,000, not 2 million? Is that equal justice? Yeah, well, that's, and you know, who's the other one who comes up here, Sean? Dinesh D'Souza, who I think his campaign violation was like $15,000, and they charged him with felonies. I mean, that's why people look at this stuff and they say, do we really have one standard of justice in this country? Well, I think on all the other issues that we have pointed out, nothing has happened, uh, and that this was supposed to be about Russia in the beginning, and this is what we end up with, with lying to the FBI. Uh, By the way, don't lie to the FBI. Pay your taxes and don't lie on loan applications. There are lessons here, but it has nothing to do with Russia or the campaign of 2016. Um, Andy, I I love having smart people on the show. You're one of them. You're going to join us on TV tonight, by the way. Your friend, the great one, Mark Levin, he's joining us tonight. He's going to be uh, fired up, I'm sure. Uh, We appreciate you always being with us. Thank you. Sean Hannity. You know, 88% of financially successful people read at least 30 minutes per day. Now, reading is the ultimate secret to success, and lots of world-class successful people credit their success directly to reading. Now, if you're like me, the list of books you want to read or those people suggest you read is never-ending, and it's always expanding. Now, the problem is there's no time to read, right? Well, our sponsor, Blinkist, has solved your long list of must-reads once and for all. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of best-selling nonfiction books and breaks them down to their most impactful elements so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. And with Blinkist, you will expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can almost any other way. Plus, you can listen anywhere. I just downloaded the Blinkist app. I love it. I like to listen when I'm in the car or when I have free time, if I'm just cooking dinner or something. It doesn't matter. Now, my personal recommendation, check out Greg Jarrett's new book, The Russian Hoax. Now, there's so much to know about this Russian investigation and Blinkist. They make it simple and easy for you to get these critical elements from the book. Five million people are now using Blinkist to expand their minds 15 minutes at a time, and you can get started today. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Hannity to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, dot com slash Hannity to start your free seven-day trial. You can cancel at any time. Blinkist.com slash Hannity. 
All right, glad you're with us. 77 days. It'll be the most important midterm elections in our lifetime. You know, it's so amazing. So we have two big breaking stories we're following today. The New York Times reporting that, in fact, the Cohn deal, which we expect at this hour, we know that Michael Cohn has surrendered to the FBI. And at this hour, it is expected a plea deal will be entered in the courtroom. And the New York Times reports that it does not include any cooperation of any kind, that it would include, let's see, oh, like Manafort, tax issues, tax fraud, bank fraud, and maybe a campaign finance violation, which Michael's on the record as saying that he did on his own. And I know that people have contradicted that, but that's what he's on record as having said. But it's funny, as you watch the New York Times, they're, they're holding out hope that Cohn will cooperate with Mueller. And I'm like, but they're not biased abusively so at all, because around two this afternoon, that's when they the news first broke that Cohn had reached a deal with the Southern District of New York and federal prosecutors. And they immediately raced to the conclusion that he was ready to cooperate. I can't imagine what was going through their heads. And then finally, at long last, somebody was ready to incriminate President Trump in crimes that would end his presidency in the collective media. It's like a collective orgasm of the news media in this country, you know, that you could almost hear the screams of omnipotent ecstasy from them. But by 3 p.m., they had the report that the Cone deal did not include cooperation. And I don't think I've seen so many sad faces since November 8th of 2016 into the morning of November 9th, and they're particularly crestfallen over the New York Times' Maggie Haberman reporting, hey, don't worry, Michael Cohn can still decide to cooperate with Mueller at a later date. And uh, the plea agreement does not call for Mr. Cohn to cooperate with federal prosecutors in Manhattan, but it does not preclude him from providing information to the special counsel, Robert Mueller, who's examining the Trump campaign's possible involvement in Russian interference in the 2016 campaign. If there's going to be any cooperation, they would decide now. And let me be very, very clear about this, because this is not a small issue here, because if, if you're watching very closely here, if, for example, if they give a range of three to five years, if, if they've written him off as a cooperator, you're never going to leave a cooperator open a, a big reduction in, in time and say three to five years. And that's what we have actually been hearing and what is being reported. NBC is reporting a possible jail time three to six years. And probably if they made a deal, that would include every bit of it. But if he already has made a deal and it doesn't include cooperation, that's a big that that is not a small deal as much as the New York Times might be upset about it. The other big breaking news is this question that came from the jury in the Manafort trial. They have now gone. What? This is their fifth day of deliberation. It's unbelievable. And the question is, if we can't come to consensus on a single count, what does that mean for the final verdict? We're going to get into the rest of that as we continue. Greg Jarrett joins us, author of three weeks in a row running now, the New York Times number one bestseller, The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton, Framed Donald Trump. David Schoen is a civil liberties criminal defense attorney. Sidney Powell is, of course, an attorney. She wrote the best-selling book, License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice and Senior Policy Advisor for America First. Welcome, all of you. Let's get a general consensus, both on Cone and the Manafort question. We'll start with you, Greg, considering you do have the current number one New York Times bestseller in the country. 
Well, the Manafort trial uh, is interesting. The jury's note today was ambiguous. Um, It could mean they've reached agreement on all but one count, but it could also mean they haven't reached an agreement on any other charges. Now, if it's the latter, then obviously there's a hung jury, and this would certainly be a victory for the reasonable doubt defense mounted by Manafort's lawyers. So we'll just have to wait and see how this unfolds. As for the Cohen plea, um, it appears that most uh, of the charges against him involve tax and bank fraud, inflating his assets to get a $20 million loan. Um, as to the uh, charge of campaign finance violation, uh, if, as as you stated in your intro... Wait a minute, I'm just w- told that another note, by the way, has been sent by the Manafort jury to Judge Ellis. Uh, I'll know momentarily what that is. That's interesting. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Greg. Well, if it relates to so-called hush money, which was, you know, essentially be quiet, go away, sign a non-disclosure agreement, um, the payment establishes it, it as a thing of value. And so it technically would be a violation of campaign finance. But uh, it appears as though Cohen has stated repeatedly he did this on his own. So that doesn't necessarily implicate uh, Donald Trump. But one thing, you know, is for sure none of this has anything to do with Trump-Russia collusion. You know, uh, but I mentioned earlier, you got Papadopoulos lying to the FBI. You got, okay, General Flynn lying to the FBI. If we're going to go down the list, Manafort, you know, old tax and, and bank fraud issues, nothing to do with Russia, collusion, the campaign, or Donald Trump. Now tax and bank issues as it relates to Michael Cohen, and maybe the, the campaign issue as it relates to, you know, him paying what he said was on his own, making his own decision to, to pay Stormy Daniels, uh, his campaign violation. Uh, what is your take on all of this, David Schoen? Oh, it's very interesting. Breaking is obviously, so we don't really know what to make of it yet. I'll be interested to hear what new Manafort note is. I'm trying to decipher all afternoon whether been, there's one count that they can't agree on, and they've agreed on all of the others, or they can't agree on even a single count. I tend to think quite frankly, that it's the former, especially if the judge's instruction included that he would provide a partial verdict form, uh, potentially. That would tend to indicate that they may have made agreement on all of the counts except one. I just don't know. On the Cohen thing, I think my biggest concern now is I want to hear what the factual predicate is in the plea colloquy. They may play it close to the vest, but when he appears before the judge enter his plea, his actual change of plea, his guilty plea, the judge is going to want a factual predicate to satisfy that. Often the prosecutor just reads it, defendant agrees, or the defendant actually says it. On the campaign finance violation, you know, this may be where they got cute and they say he's not cooperating, but if he tries to put the president into that uh, in his plea colloquy on the campaign finance thing, that's going to be very interesting. And of course, you were right in what you said earlier. Um, it doesn't, it's not presented as a cooperation deal, or they wouldn't say three to five years. That's an obvious cross-examination, but... Yeah, know, but the New York Times... But, but he could decide to cooperate later, after the deal's right. all done. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. I mean, it's so right. ridiculous, and it's such an obvious bias that they have. But let me go through the big-picture question as we're waiting for specifics. I have been told, I am confirmed now, that, in fact, there there has been a note sent to the juror. and But, I, but I'm looking very, very closely... Yep, jury has sent another note to the judge. Could it be, possibly, Sydney? they've reached a verdict? It could be, or it could be them telling him they've tried longer and they cannot reach a verdict. 
I, I missed what you said. Linda was talking in my ear, which makes it impossible for me to hear two people I'm at once. I'm sorry, Sydney. <laughs> oh, go ahead. It's all right. It could mean that they have tried as hard as they can and they have not reached a verdict and deemed themselves unable to do so. so well, let me go over this question. Spot. This question is fascinating. I watched all the comments all day and I can see both sides of it. If we cannot come to a consensus on a single count, what does that mean for the final verdict? Now, can you interpret that as they've already decided on 17 counts and we have one left or does this uh, we can't come to consensus on any count a single count uh, it could be either one which would you say greg jared i, I but a pessimist irish and me says oh, no 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 they got 17 guilty verdicts that's you know you always think worst case scenario well, I, I think the point that David Schoen was making is a valid one. If the president, or excuse me, if the if the judge has said that he is willing to deliver a partial verdict, that does suggest that unanimity has been reached. Either way, it could be unanimous, not guilty, unanimous, guilty. But on some of the charges, they have reached an agreement. That would be the suggestion here so uh we'll have to wait and see there was a tweet that went out by peter ducey today he was a great kid i mean i say that because i'm friends with his father steve ducey but he's an incredible reporter that that he spoke to a source that was inside the courtroom and saw the note from the jury firsthand and that they saw the word any crossed out before single now that to me is is pretty amazing so, I mean, if that's the case, then that would mean the other interpretation, which would be the best possible case, Doug, uh, David Schoen for, for Paul Manafort and his legal team. Right. I mean, it's very hard to parse the words. He also might have said any could go either way. Uh, one could make the case that he should have said they should have said any of the counts if they really meant they were hung on all of the counts. So I, I don't know. Look, we're going to find out soon. We're just guessing. I thought that once we heard this, and if it meant just one count was tearing them apart, that we would get a verdict this afternoon, frankly. Either the guy would yield, or if there's one holdout, or, um, you know, would go the other way. But uh, I don't know. I, I felt we were going to have a verdict today. Well, I, I don't know what this note is that they sent the judge, and we're waiting for that detail to come out. Now, the judge did remind the attorneys today in a lot of detail. I need, to, I need not to say anything that's coercive to the jury. He told the jury to carefully reconsider and reexamine all the evidence in the case. He said if the jury sends a message that they can't get to unanimous on all counts, I will ask, considering asking the jury where they stand, meaning he will ask if they have come to a unanimous decision on some counts. And then we get the whole issue of Sawyer instructions and an Allen charge as it relates to the, this specific case. Um and some were complaining in the media that he had already asked for it. The Allen charge is an instruction given by the court to a deadlocked jury. And people were complaining, well, they didn't say they were deadlocked. In a way, they might have been saying that and encouraged the jury to continue deliberating. And, and the U.S. versus Sawyer case, you, you were all familiar with it. What is your take on that? Did he give those instructions seemingly earlier, Greg? You know, it doesn't appear he did. Um, if he did it, it certainly was a watered down version of it. I mean, the, the Allen charge is, uh, normally, uh, issued, uh, in, in fairly, uh, specific language that follows, uh, the Allen decision. It's called a dynamite charge. It essentially means go back and try harder, but there's other language in which the judge encourages the jurors 
to try to reach some consensus or compromise. We're gonna uh, we're gonna tell our, our stations along the Sean Hannity Show Network, our five hundred and seventy five amazing affiliates, that we're gonna go to a little earlier break here in the hopes that we're gonna get to the bottom of this in the meantime, because I suspect we might be going commercial free afterwards. Uh, by the way, now is a good time to get a Liberty Safe. I personally have eight of them and I bought them long before they were ever an advertiser. Liberty has put all of their Franklin and Fat Boy safes on sale now through August the 26th. You want to save your important papers? You want to save your valuables? If you believe in the Second Amendment to keep and to bear arms, you want to be a responsible gun owner, get a Liberty safe. Again, I have eight. I include the handgun safe, fingerprint safe next to my bed. Now, they help protect from thieves. They preserve your val- valuables from UV light damage. They help keep them dry from moisture through de- dehumidifiers. And they're also made with the highest quality materials. So protect your valuables, protect your important papers, protect those firearms, be responsible. Go to LibertySafe.com and order the biggest safe you can buy because you always need more room. They also have 350 dealers nationwide if you want to see it in person. And as part of it, all Fat Boy, all Franklin safes on sale, saving you hundreds of dollars. Sale ends August the 26th. And right now you can even buy 12 months interest free. LibertySafe.com, LibertySafe.com. We expect any minute now to find out what that note to the judge in the Manafort case is all about. As we speak, Michael Cohn is in court. He surrendered to the FBI and has made a plea deal. All coming up. All right. We just have this breaking news. Uh, The jury note said they have reached a verdict on eight of the 18 counts in the Manafort case. They cannot reach a verdict on the other 10 counts. Wow. Reaction, Greg Jarrett. Well, I think this is very good news for the defense. They mounted this uh, reasonable doubt defense. They didn't call a case in earnest with witnesses. Rather, they attempted to pick apart the credibility of the witnesses and evidence through cross-examination of the prosecution's case. And to some extent, uh, at least as to 10 of them, um, it appears that they, you know, succeeded Uh, But, you know, a verdict on eight of 18, we're sort of presuming that those are guilty verdicts, but they may not be. I mean, it's altogether possible, although if I were a betting man, I I wouldn't say so. But it's possible they could be unanimous verdicts of not guilty. Uh, If I had to bet, I'd say guilty. But, I mean, 10 out of the 18, it's just, to me, it's an unmitigated disaster for Mueller. I mean, and and maybe there was one little tax issue or that or bank issue that they say, you know what, he didn't do this right. And we find him guilty on that, but nothing else. Let me get Sydney's reaction to this, Sydney. Well, it could be that they started with the ones they thought were the easiest mm-hmm. and and got some not guilty agreements because some of the counts were absolutely ridiculous, such as charging him for a, a false loan statement when he didn't even get the loan. That's a good. What a great point. That's why I love you. You're so, you know, why not state the obvious? Uh, good point. Uh, David, what's your reaction? Well, I mean, the, the again, I hate to predict because uh, it's impossible to predict what a jury's going to do until we've heard from them. But it could well be. I mean, what would make sense here, I suppose, to be the bank fraud related count. There are, there are nine of them, I think, instead of eight. Are you sure but, you're not uh, Irish like I am? Because uh, I'm a pessimist. I just assume the worst at all times. I am, too. I'm a worst-case scenario person. But, I mean, that's, that's a bundle that you could see a jury might focus on because they're of like kind, in a sense, the bank fraud charges. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a disaster. But Sydney okay. makes a great case, though, of a great point. He didn't get the loan. Yeah, well, but it's, you know, the intent that's, uh, unfortunately, um, the government works both on the intent to get the loan and, and to fault, filing of false documents purportedly and on an intended loss for sentencing purposes. That's where they sort of get you coming and going. But, um, look, I, you know, we, we don't know exactly what it is yet. We don't know if it's guilty or not guilty, as Greg has said. And uh, I think we just have to wait and see, unfortunately. Look, there are a lot of implications for all of this stuff. Do, do they retry those other counts? Is the judge satisfied with Hong? And does he take a partial verdict? You know, Well, he said vote. earlier today he would. All right. Um, stay yeah. right there. We're going to come back. We'll continue. Uh, eight counts. They have a verdict in the Manafort case. No decision on the 10 counts. And Michael Cohn has surrendered to the FBI, and we expect a plea deal to be entered at this hour. We'll have more when we continue. All right, glad you're with us, Sean Hannity Show, uh, 800-941-SEAN. We have two simultaneous stories we are following uh, at this hour. Uh, well, Michael Cohn is in court. He has made a plea deal with the Southern District of New York. It is estimated that it's going to be anywhere between three and five years, uh, bank fraud charges and tax fraud charges, and maybe a campaign finance violation thrown in there as well. Again, the, uh, he's also, according to the New York Times, they believe the deal would mean he is a non-cooperating witness uh, in this case. The Manafort judge is about to interview each juror individually. The jury is now said in this case it is deadlocked on 10 of the 18 counts and they have found a verdict for eight of the 18 counts. Now, that is pretty fascinating. Uh, we continue with Greg Jarrett. He now is the number one book in the country, according to The New York Times. Uh, it's a number one bestseller. It's called The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. David Schoen. Civil Liberties Attorney Sidney Powell, attorney of the incredible book License to Lie, Exposing Corruption at the Department of Justice. She's also a senior policy advisor for America uh, First. And, um, well, anyway, let me go through what just happened. Uh, again, we go back to earlier today, and the judge got a note from the jury, uh, which was very mysterious to me. I think we now know the answer. If we cannot come to consensus on a single count, what does that mean for the final verdict? Well, now that we know that they only found a verdict on eight of the charges and they're deadlocked on 10 of them, we now know that there were probably a lot of them. Now, it's, it's really hard to read a jury. Paul Manafort is found guilty on at least one count, we are now told, according to breaking news. And other news about Michael Cohn, he's pleading guilty as it relates to, hang on, I'm looking at what this one count that they are saying here, okay, the most it could be is seven other counts, and it looks like the jury's deadlocked on They've declared a the mistrial ten. on 10. They've now have declared a mistrial on the other 10 on the counts. the other 10, correct. Now we're getting, I guess, the jury's reading the verdict on the other, the other counts. Before he's, that happens, he's going to interview each juror before he makes a determination. Okay, he's interviewing each juror. How do we know then? Why is CNN reporting that he's guilty on at least one count? I guess that was part of... Fake news. It's, uh, well, I, we I'm don't know kidding. if it's fake news. You know, we have people actually listening. Yeah, we got to lighten the load a little bit here, Sean. No, I know. I, I don't care any way you spin this, Greg Jarrett. I mean, this is a disaster for Robert Mueller. Here it is. Wait, guilty filing false individual income tax returns. $100,000 fine and or up to three years in prison. Um, this is now literally. All right. That's so. All right. Guilty filing 
a false individual tax return. That's a money thing. It seems on one if we look at all of this, they didn't take Rick Gates' testimony at all. And it looks like the juror, uh, the judge in this case, Ellis, pointing being very hard on the prosecution in this case and not allowing them to go into full hyperbole mode as it relates to ostrich coats, etc. I don't know, Greg, if it's guilty on one. All right, now it just came in. He's guilty on eight counts in the fraud trial. Hung jury on ten, on 10 other counts. What's your reaction? Well, that was our suspicion. This underscores just how unscrupulous and overzealous Bob Mueller and his team of uh, assembled partisans were. They overcharged this case. Uh, and as a consequence, they did not get a verdict on 10 of the charges. They did get a verdict on eight uh, of the 18 total charges. So I would agree with you that this is a an embarrassment and a disaster for Robert Mueller and only serves to demonstrate. All right, now five of the five counts were false tax returns. They were five separate counts. So he's really, okay, so that's five of the eight, I'm assuming. That's a, right. Right? Yes. All right, so failure to report Bank accounts, uh, four counts. Loans from Citizens Bank is three counts. So if I'm, I'm the guess, they probably went to the loans from, it seems like it's either loans and tax returns. That's all it seems to be, David Schoen. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it would make sense now that the package counts one through five, be the false tax returns, could be the failure to file in the foreign bank accounts. Um, remember, there was a question that came during it, whether there was a reporting requirement and whether report had been it had been reported already if it's really the way it goes i think you're 100 percent right it's a repudiation of gates and the prosecution's theory because the juice here was on the bank fraud charges that's where the forfeiture is triggered and that's the question of did it manafort and gates or just gates if it was done well it is it raises a question that we've all talked about in detail it's a the Sammy the Bull issue. Oh, he kills 19 people, but he testifies against what? John Gotti. And then he is forgiven all of that. He gets a get out of jail free card. Rick Gates gets a get out of jail free card. Yeah, well, the, the five, just to be clear with our audience, the, the false tax returns guilt here. It's five specific counts, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. So I would assume that's at least five of the eight. So it's basically, okay, he filed false tax returns for five years. Now, by the way, what does that have to do with Russia? Anybody want to venture a guess? Well, and I'll I'll tell you what, it should have been an IRS audit resulting in a civil penalty uh, as well as back taxes. Uh, That's how cases of, uh, you know, tax fraud, tax evasion are normally handled. But Bob Mueller... Uh, decided he was going to throw everything at uh, Paul Manafort to, as the judge pointed out, squeeze him to implicate Donald Trump, which hasn't happened. Well, I have stories here. Uh, Let's go back. This is ABC News reporting. Treasury Secretary nominee Tim Geithner said on Wednesday he made careless mistakes when he didn't pay all of his taxes while working at the International Monetary Fund. And he apologized for senators for adding to their burden when the economy is in the midst of a severe recession. They were careless mistakes. Then I have another uh, article here. It says Al Sharpton's four point five million dollar tax bill. And then, of course, we had the Clinton Foundation. They had to re-audit their taxes and start paying as well. It seems to me. So you got five cases of tax fraud. 
What does this say about Manafort's Trump-Russia collusion? That's what I guess I'm, I'm looking at, Sydney. It says absolutely nothing because there was no Trump-Russia collusion. What it does say is that we have a horrible double standard in this country and that the fact is if Paul Manafort hadn't spent three months trying to help Donald Trump win the presidency, he would not have been prosecuted. Let me interrupt you. Five guilty, five tax fraud charges, one charge of hiding foreign bank accounts, guilty on two counts of bank fraud. Oh, nothing about Russia. I'm sorry, Sidney. Go ahead. He would not have been prosecuted for any of this had he not tried to help President Trump win the presidency. And that's the only reason he's been prosecuted. The Department of Justice had already passed on any prosecution of him during the Obama administration. So Mueller just got these charges out, dusted them off, pumped them up, and ran them to try to get him to testify against President Trump. You know, well, that's what Judge Ellis said, David, Sean, to put the screws to Manafort so he sings or composes. He never sang. He never composed for the purposes of prosecuting or uh, impeaching Donald Trump. So here we are. Five tax fraud charges, five returns, five years in a row, one charge of hiding a foreign bank account and guilty on two counts of bank fraud. And his embezzling, tax cheating, lying partner gets off scot free and a get out of jail free card. That's a great system. Right. Oh, and yeah. you will hear you heard before the trial and now the prosecutors, Greg Andre said, you will never hear Russia or Trump during this case. Oh, with a conviction on even one. You will hear closing the circle. Michael Cohen pleading guilty. Now this nothing whatsoever to do with it. Very interesting sort of potpourri the jury picked on counts to convict on. And by the way, on the foreign bank reporting. With everybody else out there, the government offered an amnesty program. They weren't sending people to prison, these kinds of things. There was a way to work it out. I've had many of these cases uh, pay a penalty, and with the amnesty program, it was offered far and wide. So it's bogus, this prosecution. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is now. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. So you got Michael Cohn tax. It's the same thing. Tax bank fraud. Manafort tax bank fraud. You got Flynn lying to the FBI, Papadopoulos, same thing. And and all of this has one commonality, and that is they're connected to Donald Trump. This was supposed to be about Russian collusion. Now, I know that this is big news and fake news, CNN and, and MSNBC, and I'm looking at it and I'm watching. OK, but they also failed on 10 specific counts, Greg Jarrett, and nothing here has to do with Russia. Nothing. Nothing has to do with the campaign. Nothing. Nothing has to do with Donald Trump. Nothing has to do with Russia. Nothing. And my question is, how do we look at this as a a system of justice that is fair? Now, keep in mind this. Hillary Clinton had an exoneration written before an investigation. Hillary has the single biggest slam dunk obstruction of justice case in history. Hillary Clinton, we know, violated the Espionage Act. We know that Hillary Clinton bought and paid for through funneled money through a law firm to an op research firm hiring a foreign national who put together Russian lies that he doesn't even believe in. It was used to manipulate and lie to the American people in the lead up to an election, then used on four separate occasions in applications to get a FISA warrant on a Trump campaign associate. They lied to four separate FISA judges and committed a fraud on four separate FISA courts. I don't see anybody in these cases uh, indicted in any case. So how does an American read my book? Because you've just outlined it quite nicely, (laughs) chapters one through 12. 
Um, and Sydney is right that this is a glaring, unfair uh, double standard. There, you know, are two or three different systems of justice, and one of them is if you're Hillary Clinton, you can engage in all manner of criminality and get away with it. Um, they, you know, they cleared her uh, before they even interviewed her and 16 others in the case. Uh, and as I point out in my book, they, you know, I've interviewed so many different uh, federal prosecutors and former FBI top officials, and they all say they've never heard of such a thing. Uh, but this was James Comey and his Confederates who decided they wanted to clear a path for Hillary Clinton to become president uh, because Donald Trump uh, threatened to drain the swamp and they were the swamp and didn't want to be drained. And they're in well, let me ask about policy. The, well, let, me, uh, let me ask about one other thing. What does it say about the other 10 charges that they couldn't come to a, a verdict on? It, it shows that they overcharged the case. Uh, which underscores how overzealous and unprincipled and unscrupulous that Mueller's team is. Uh, these are people who cannot be trusted to be fair and objective. So the average American, how's the average American? Well, let me give you some other breaking news as we speak here. Uh, so we have the news. Uh, Michael Cohn got very emotional as the judge discussed a possible sentence. And in a federal court, as we've been reporting all day, that they had met a, made a deal with the Southern District of New York, pled guilty to federal charges stemming from hush payments to women who claimed to have had affairs with the president. He bet under investigation, so da da da. Cohn was shaking his head, appeared to be holding back emotions as the judge, judge reviews the possible sentence. Cohn faces a likely prison term of 46 to 63 months, the judge said. Cohn was charged with eight specific counts evading personal income taxes, making an unlawful corporate campaign contribution, making a false statement to a financial institution, making an excessive campaign contribution in October of 2016. Um, and, okay, that it's all the same. Where is the Russia here, David? Where is it? Yeah. No, there's no Russia whatsoever. Again, we have to keep our eye on the plea colloquy for this campaign finance business. What did he say? Is he going back on what he said earlier? Also, you know, the uh, tangential issue is the effect on the civil case. It's meaningless. But, you know, now uh, Avenatti certainly will argue that it was an illegal contract from the start. Therefore, you know, he wins the case. And, of course, Avenatti appears to be the presumptive Democratic Party candidate for president, the Avenatti Daniels <laughs> ticket. So, um, yeah, exactly. All right, stay right there. We're going to uh, take an early break here. Um, we're expecting press conferences a lot in the final hour of the program today. Uh, and 800-941-SEAN. We'll also be joined by Joe DeGeneva. He's always interesting. That's coming up in the next hour. And Andy McCarthy's going to be checking in as well in the next hour. So we'll get a lot more in terms of perspective. Andy worked for the Southern District of New York, just like Rudy Giuliani did. Probably one of the most respected in the entire country. Uh, anyway, so we'll we'll get you more information, eight counts as it relates to Manafort, eight counts uh, as it relates to Cohn, and we have 10 counts, the jury deadlocked, no decision as it relates to the Paul Manafort case, which I think speaks volumes. By the way, no Russia, no collusion, no Trump, no campaign. All right, 800-941-SEAN. I want to remind you about the best cup of coffee you will ever have in your life. You ever find yourself, you walk into one of these corporate coffee shops and you get a wee cup of coffee and you take a sip and you just wince because it's, ugh, it's sour and horrible and, and bitter and tasting awful? Well, anyway, 
Uh, Black Rifle Coffee was founded by former special op veterans. They hire vets. They hire first responders. And it is the single greatest cup of coffee you've ever had. The best roast-to-order coffee delivered right to your door. They even have the Black Rifle Coffee Club. And it guarantees that you'll always get fresh premium coffee delivered to your doors. No lines, no running out. Shipped to your house every month hassle-free. You get free discounts not available to other customers. And not only does Black Rifle make a hell of a cup of coffee, they also give a portion of their sales to vets and first responders, and they hire vets and first responders. The best coffee I've ever tasted, the greatest guys you'll ever meet. Just go to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Sean. You get a 15% discount. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Sean. 15% off. We'll take a break. Andy McCarthy. And also we'll be checking in with Joe DeGeneva straight ahead. You know, 88% of financially successful people read at least 30 minutes per day. Now, reading is the ultimate secret to success, and lots of world-class successful people credit their success directly to reading. Now, if you're like me, the list of books you want to read or those people suggest you read is never-ending, and it's always expanding. Now, the problem is there's no time to read, right? Well, our sponsor, Blinkist, has solved your long list of must-reads once and for all. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of best-selling nonfiction books and breaks them down to their most impactful elements so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. And with Blinkist, you will expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can almost any other way. Plus, you can listen anywhere. I just downloaded the Blinkist app. I love it. I like to listen when I'm in the car or when I have free time. If I'm just cooking dinner or something, it doesn't matter. Now, my personal recommendation, check out Greg Jarrett's new book, The Russian Hoax. Now, there's so much to know about this Russian investigation and Blinkist. They make it simple and easy for you to get these critical elements from the book. Five million people are now using Blinkist to expand their minds 15 minutes at a time. And you can get started today. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Hannity to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, dot com slash Hannity to start your free seven-day trial. You can cancel at any time. Blinkist.com slash Hannity. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. 
Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.